Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say that. Yeah. Vascular. Vascular. Got vein showing over here, Corey oh, does. Thumb. thumb vein. Thumb vein. That hits. Does hit. Welcome back, Airheads. Are we live? It's time once again. We are live, Cho. That's Cho. I'm Trey. Putting on air. It's time to do it here in Airstream Studios. Uh, tonight, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about Venn Diagram, Rich and Poor Overlaps with Backer Tobacco. That's right. Everybody likes to kill themselves with smoke. We'll mm. talk about it later. And then uh, it's it's not history of Professor Cho, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, paradoxes with Professor Cho. I guess yeah, you could say philosophy. Cho. Or, or just What do we call it? I don't remember. Well, we did philosophy when I was talking about Zeno, but now we're just talking about paradoxes. So I'll just say this is fucking yo shit up with Professor Cho, because that's what paradoxes do to me. Fucking yo shit up they with fuck Stoner Cho. Stoner Cho. That's it. Stocho. Stoner 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 Cho. Stocho. 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 Instead of Pro Cho, we got Stocho. Stocho. All right. Stocho. We'll get to that a little bit later. First, I want to say something, because uh, we're recording these in batches, as people now know. Last week's episode, when I talked about cheese, I realized after we were done, I forgot to mention, so mm -hmm. a little addendum, <clears throat> part of the... Um, uh, like the so, the class association with cheese actually has to do with Ronald Reagan <laughs> because we we've all heard like government cheese, right? Yeah, I loved government cheese. I get government bananas. Go, government cheese and was government my oranges. Shit. So apparently, and this is I don't I saw I saw this on the internet and I didn't fact check it because that's not what we do here. No, I don't. But have. I read that in the eighties when Reagan was going on and on about welfare queens and all that shit. Uh, some like investigative journalist uncovered that there was some warehouse somewhere, a government warehouse with like millions of dollars worth of cheese yeah. in it that they were just like, refusing to give to people because, you know, they just waste it. Why not right. waste it? So people were like, so you're just storing it on the government's dime and letting it rot and yeah. doing nothing with it. And there, was own a, the there was a backlash. So then they turned around and gave the pores a whole bunch of government cheese. That government cheese and hits though. That government cheese does hit. But I remember yeah, a lot of uh, times that's part of where that narrative comes from. Welfare trash got associated with cheese. Now I didn't government grow cheese up because of Ronald Reagan. I read. I didn't grow up poor like you. No. But I did buy pills a lot. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> so I was often in a home that had government cheese. That's, of course, yeah. And that's it where spreads. you get your pills. It spreads. Yeah. It spreads so good. I still, to this day, I get government bananas. Yeah. How you get? How do you get those? Uh, because they give them to my wife's school, and they give yeah. them to her, and her kids will not eat them. So before they go bad, she just brings them to me, and I eat them. She got a bunch of trailer babies, won't yeah. eat actual fruit. Yep, oranges. Like, no, I, this this banana isn't like small and out of a box, box of, of other yeah, small fruits that seem to be plastic. Hit. Those are the only bananas that I ate. And at first, I felt bad about it because like she would come home with all these bananas, and I was Somebody like, "Somebody got to eat them." I was like, "Right." I was like, "What the fuck?" And she goes, "Well, like the." government gives us these for our kids but our kids won't eat them so like you can eat them and i was like we should give these to 
people that need them. But then I was like, well, with bananas, there's really only like a 23 hour window. So like, well, I would be, I kind of just have to I'll eat tell you them. right now what I'd be doing. If depending on the number of bananas you're getting, making a bunch I of bread. would be making banana bread yeah. out the butt. That's yeah. what I would be doing. I just, it's not, cause you got bananas. It's like starting to go. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do. Yeah. But dude, you mush them up and then yeah. using them to make well, banana what bread. Do, that's what's up. I make peanut butter, uh, banana, little muffin type things. Okay. They're like a little keto, mu- or not, they're not keto because of the carbs and bananas, but like I just mix. <laughs> I mix carbs in bananas? Because there's carbs in bananas. I thought you were saying like, well, they're not really keto because of all the things that's in them. But yeah, I mean, pr- pretty much. Like, like, car- I thought you said carbs and bananas. There's no sugar added. Like right. I put, I mix the brown bananas with peanut butter and put a little carb quick, which is uh, no carb uh, flour, and I put them in my little muffin tins, and I call them uh uh they're like they're my they're my power power cookies Uh i eat them before i work out because they've got the carbs or whatever and the protein and shit and uh they hit yeah i get government bananas okay well, good for I you. I wish I got government cheese. See, some people are going to look at that and be like, see, that's what's wrong with the government right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, that's why you can't trust the government. They're giving yeah. this motherfucker bananas. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Need well, no, bananas. no, my wife steals them from the government. Right, which hits. Does hit. Before we get to the actual uh, the topics later, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to talk about fine dining a little bit. I love it. Because that's fancy. Uh, and like we're both, I, I I don't I wouldn't call myself a foodie just because of my trash palate. Like I, if I was, first of all, I find foodies to be a bit much sometimes. That's and why I, was, I wouldn't call myself right, a foodie. Well, so if I was if I was with some other people and they identified as a foodie and I said I was a foodie, then the whole conversation would start that I really want no part of. Exactly. So I'm not classifying myself as a. I'm just fat. I'm a fat kid. Right. I'm not a foodie. I'm a fat kid. I like food a lot. The idea of fine dining hits for me. I'm just now realizing I don't think didn't didn't that one place we went to in London didn't it have a Michelin star that yeah, uh, Anglo Bango place the, the Anglo Bango the yeah. Indian place we went to and, and it was fire it was fucking well I think flames. I think that's my only Michelin star experience it's always been wild to me that it's the same Michelin that makes the, the tires the fat I know tire man. I thought that was a joke the fat when you tire told man me. is like. The foremost authority on hitting food yep. worldwide. That's a weird thing. It is weird. But anyway, that's my only Michelin I, experience. I, I heard why that is. Do you know why that is? I heard because it on your mom's house, actually. Is it because they Shout do... Uh, Tom Segura. Um, no, the whole they're thing... They're like a travel company, so... Kind of, but the whole the actual thing is like, it's uh, this place is worth putting where stopping at. Right, because they make tires, so it's like... People drive on tires. Hey, if you're driving through places, here's a this guide. This is worth putting where to drive to or to <laughs> While stop at. Yeah, or right, yeah. right. So anyway, that's my only Michelin experience, but I like the idea of fine dining. But I've seen a lot of like viral TikToks and shit on the internet from like real expensive places that I just can't handle Miss the level of pretension. Foam. Okay, phone. We're going to get to phone. So I found this one place in particular I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But it's like I'll see shit like it's like a $2,000 steak, but it seems to be it's $2,000 because they bring it out in a golden briefcase and they all dance around it and open it and gold light shines out and shit. And it's like, what the fuck does that have to do with the steak? Nothing. And it's like that's the type of shit. It's like that's what dumbasses think hitters do and they don't you know what i'm saying right so it's like that's who they're catering towards so like and that's not i guess that's probably not even really fine dining but like you though 
and I we, I don't think we've talked about it right. You've yeah, been no, to the French Laundry, man. right? I have been to the which French is like, Laundry. That's one of America's premier fine dining establishments, and it was uh, a transcendental experience. It was wasn't a, it? it was amazing. So it is a Thomas Keller joint. Thomas right. Keller is one, one of the, the most the, famous yeah. chefs in America. And in the, the fr- world, I think. The, yeah, well, yeah, for sure, in the world. And so the the French Laundry had I'd never really even heard. I'd I'd like I think I'd heard of it, but didn't really know much about it. But my mom, like that was always like a pipe dream of hers or like that was on her bucket list or whatever. Well, we were doing shows in the Napa Valley. We were. Which I feel like a, they we, clearly don't have to clear that with the Napa Valley City Council because no, I think they would have been like, are you out of your goddamn mind? We were because we, these dipshits. Yeah. And, no, and when there were great is, shows. No, they were fun we shows. Played, we played the Blue, the Blue Note, Ru- which is a Blue jazz, Note, yeah. which is a jazz club. And the, when you look at the calendar of like who preceded Kenny G was there the right. week before well, that's we what were I'm there. Saying. It's like we made no Do not, sense but no. at all. But our but, fans came out and they were and it was fun. And yeah. it was fun. But so my mom's like her, you know, bucket list has always been the French laundry. And this was like early in our touring and I still had a little book money left and like I was just like getting rid of it left and right, like trying before to Before you keep going, it's sort of like it, I just thought of it's kind of similar to when we, we got to do a show at the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. And I remember being on stage at the Kennedy Center and telling a joke about rednecks buttholes. Yeah. Right? Like, this and is on the same and stage. literally stopped in the middle of it and was like, I'm talking about rednecks buttholes at the Kennedy Center. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. And it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was great That's fun. A, the Kennedy Center was one of the funnest shows that I've ever done because of that, because yeah. of all the pretense or whatever. Right. Like when we got, at first I was very nervous. I was like, holy fuck, we're at the Kennedy Center. And then I went, holy fuck, we're at the Kennedy Center. Like, I'm going to do my act, yeah. and I'm going to do it at the Kennedy Center. Like, I think I was doing the bit at that one time about how um, I was like, I think everybody should be for transgender rights. Matter of fact, I'd like an extra dick and a pussy. I'd like to put one, a dick right here, and a pussy right here on my knees, and just I'd be just doing this all day long. Yep. And I was like, I'm fucking doing that, that at the one Kennedy Center. Hit. It did hit, because you can't argue with it. Chart topper. Yeah, you can't argue yeah. with it. It's like, I would like to have a dick on one knee and a pussy on the other knee, and just sort of, That's you know, ham bone it. So, anyways, French Laundry. My mom had always wanted to go there, and I, and I found you know it was in the Napa Valley, and Mother's Day was coming up. We did the show around Mother's Day, and so I I knew that like I you know like getting a reservation there was gonna be crazy. But our, my manager uh, Nat. Uh, was from around that area and I was like hey can you just I don't know who you have to call but like I need a reservation at the French Laundry and I need it for me my mama my Aunt Beth and their friend and so she's like okay cool done uh surprising and so it got it got done and I called my mom and I was like mama I'm flying you out you're going to go to our shows in Napa and I'm taking you to the French Laundry and like it, it, you know I've since then I've I've done no wrong. I'm the favorite son. Like, my sister literally can't top that. So we went, and it was fantastic. Now, it was, I'm going off memory here, and I bought the whole table, but it was like, I think it was $800 a plate or some shit like that. Like, it was super, and this was lunch, and we didn't drink, right? And I went into it thinking there is no way that any of this is actually going to be worth the price. And I stand firm on the sense that, like, is it's anything not worth nothing. that much? Right. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Nothing. Because I have had a back alley burrito that changed my life and it was $4. Right. But I will say that at a, 
at a Michelin star restaurant, you are getting something that you will otherwise never have. It's like they're it's, ex- you're also paying for the experience. You, it's and the everything. experience because they right. take you to the kitchen. Like you get you go in, you eat, and then afterwards they're like, "Would you like to see how all this is done?" And that's where I saw like uh, you know they had all the sous vide stations, mm-hmm. which is like a which is I have a sous vide. Do you have a sous vide? No, I know you it owe is. it to hot, your life. Hot water bath. Hot water. Yeah, Basically, right. you can keep a meat at temperature yeah. for as long as you want. Right. Then you so, just like pull it out and sear it right. And, and it's ready yeah, to go. and for yeah. a restaurant's sake, it's super convenient because they've got a whole vat of meat that's just like this is medium rare. So if somebody orders a medium yeah. rare steak, you yeah. take it out, sear it, and there it goes. Yeah. So you're not having to cook them from from scratch. So it's like really perfect. But now they did some of the foam stuff, but like, dude, they made. One of the courses I remember, it was a rabbit stew, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, did my redneck ass come all the goddamn way from Chickamauga, to Georgia? Eat a, to eat something my uncle could have run over and served yeah, on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah, right. And I ate it, and buddy, when I tell you that however we made rabbit when we were kids, that ain't it. Right. How Thomas Keller makes rabbit. That is it. That is it. Yeah. And then at the end, like they have the dessert portion and they bring, they do bring you like a suitcase filled with truffles, mm-hmm. you know, and you're paying for the suitcase. But like, do you take it? No, you don't take it. Okay. But like, it's just the way they present everything. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, again, dude, I, I'm like, I, you know, I paid, I paid like, I paid someone's six year, six month mortgage for this meal. And I'm not, saying that oh and i'd do it again i i mean i would for my mama i did it for my mama and we had a wonderful experience and the food was great but again dude nothing is like they're just charging me that because they can charge me that because of an exclusivity thing but i mean it was fucking awesome right so it made me feel like I hit. So that's like that's the positive end of the spectrum with fine dining and Michelin stars and stuff. But I found this article randomly while dicking around on the internet. I'll shout them out. It's a blog called The Everywhereist, and uh, it's a they ate at a Michelin star restaurant in Lecce, Italy, which mm. I don't know anything about. That city um, in Italy, Lecce, that's about caramel. Oh yeah, it's a milk. Yeah, milk no. Italy, milk Italy. Yeah, the milk. Yeah, well, it's spelled L E C C E. That's milk. All right. <laughs> it's milk. Yeah, that's yeah. milk. You know, because of the the trace. Yeah. The trace leches. Oh. That's what hits. Buddy, the only you thing. Go, sometimes you go beyond three milks. Let me You'll tell you. You'll go four, I five, was about six to say, milks. The only one problem time. I have with a tres leches is that it's not quattros leches. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I could Bring use. Bring me more milks. Yeah, I could yeah. use a cinco leches yeah. so, I would yeah. even be for. Five milks. I would love it. I fucking love so, three milks cake. I do too. So, but this is LECC. Maybe it's Liche. I don't know. Whatever. Liches. Yeah, it's called. But the place is called Bros. That don't hit. But I, I over it's, there. It's that, in Italy. Maybe that's maybe it's Bros. I, I don't know. Bros. But it's B R O S. I don't like that. I can't call it anything but Bros. Don't hit. But it's a Michelin star restaurant. And this guy went to it, and it was just. An exercise in pretentious bullshit, yeah. it seems like. So he said, first of all, it's in like what amounts to a bunker. It's like a cement uh, basement place. It said it was sweltering hot and all this shit. They go in there and it's a 27 course meal over four and a half hours. But he, but he says that none of the courses were, they were like, 
nibbles. Sliver, just nibbles. nibbles. Yeah. There's 20 seconds after. It was similar Even at the French Laundry, but they were bigger than nibbles. Right. But so, and it was a bunch of ridiculous shit, most all of which was served cold. Don't they got a pasta dish served cold. It was literally six noodles with some like sauce like dribbled over it. Uh, yeah, Remy, right here. You can see that. That's the noodles right there. That's what it looked like? Yeah, but right there, Russ. The, you've, got the, you've got it open already. You've got it open. Go to the left. Dude, no, they no, just no, the, the left tab. I'm sorry. They just this. know that we uh, fucking yeah. bros right there to the right, right there. You've got it open, yeah. So that way Corey can look at it. Yeah, right. And so uh, they got a tablespoon tablespoon of crab served in a stone ramekin or whatever. That just looks like the imitation seafood salad that you get. And which, by also, the way, I'm not. And disparaging it's great a lot of these places are like this i know but it's like it there's no menu it's just that it's just that you get what it's you just get that. but they give you what appears to be a menu there but it's a blank newspaper that has a qr code on it right and if you follow the qr code it links to a video of the chef in front of a solid black background talking about things utterly unrelated to food <laughs> The French Laundry was not like this at right. all. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's I, that's why I wanted. I wanted. What to be, the fuck is that? I wanted to be fair about it. Yeah, that's right. Because I know that. Like, I'm not talking about all fine dining. It's just it seems like some yeah. of it is some bullshit. Like this place. He said that the the waiters will not explain anything. They right. won't help you out at all. He said that at one point they came out and handed them a dish and said. These are made with rancid ricotta. What? Like, and the guy goes, I'm sorry, did you say rancid? Do you mean like fermented, aged? No, rancid. Right? And he's like, he thought maybe it was getting lost in translation. Right. And he spoke Italian. Well, so so he switched So he switched to Italian to clarify. He was like, I think it's getting lost in translation. because, And the guy goes, rancido. <laughs> no, he's a bad. Yeah, he's a rancido. Yeah. Right? And so... Then, then there was another course. He said they got 12 different foams. You said miss me with foam. Yeah. Of the 27 courses, 12 of them involve foam. That's One of the which, rancid, the shit. No, right? no. That is ice cream. Would you like to guess what flavor? Yep, I will. It's in Italy. Okay. It's in Italy and it's green. Pistachio, maybe? That would hit. We'll see. No, that would hit. So there's no way that that's that. Exactly. That is... Um. Basil that has been backed over with a truck. That's olive ice cream. Okay. Now, let me for a second All right. go with you here. I I would try it because when we were in Portland with our good friend Patterson Hood, uh, one of the lead singers oh, of the yeah, Drive Salt by Trucker. So we were at Salt Pear and, and Blue oh Cheese. Pear and Blue Cheese. And I would salt think like no good <sighs> blue cheese ice cream. And I loved it. And It's also pear though. It is also pear. Yeah, I guess you're right. If it's just olive, I don't know. But any type so, of ice cream, I'm giving a shot. You ever try that right. bugs and blood one? Bugs and blood? Yeah, salt and straw. Mm, they got bugs and blood. Is it literally bugs and blood? It is. It's Halloween flavor. It's but no, like I don't know. bugs and blood. Yeah, like whatever it is, like uh, crickets yeah, and. I mean, I'd try. Uh, and I've eaten a pig's blood. Listen to how pretentious this is. One of the dishes was a citrus foam served and there's a picture of it in this article served in a plaster cast of the chef's mouth <laughs> with with no, no utensils go up Russ right oh there oh my god with no utensils you are suck it out you have to meant to lick it out of there and that's the that's a cast of the actual chef's this, mouth this feels like if no. someone told David Lynch 
right. hey, yeah. run a restaurant as a bit. He would do all of this. Like, this sounds like a David Lynch movie, but, like, I don't want to eat. I've never wanted to. Of all the people, and we can run down a list, of all the people that if you turn their movies into foods, would you eat them? David Lynch is at the very bottom of my list. You know what I'm saying? Right. Spielberg, I feel like, eh, that's for everybody. We'll do that. David Lynch, you're going to get a lot of animal buttholes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Not for it. Uh, There was also a, a... course which was an orange a regular orange with two slices cut out of it those slices are reconstituted orange so they like took orange pulp and juice like you know uh obliterated it and then put gelatin or something back in it to make it the shape of an orange slice and formed it back into an orange slice and served it with the regular orange which the guy asked can i eat the orange and they said i guess but you're not supposed to Do you know how much I'd rather have Jello? <laughs> right. Yeah. Make of me course. Jello. Yeah. Is this a Southern uh, term? You doing too much? You ever uh, heard that? Y- y- well, you're doing too much. Like you mean extra? You ever heard that yeah. term? Or it, well, as, I would, as I would pronounce it, extra. Extra. Yeah, that's extra. That's a little extra. That's, that's very extra. This whole thing is an exercise <laughs> in being extra. But yeah, that's a bit too much. Uh, there. Yeah. So, and then there was another one uh, where they brought a dish out, put some various sauces on it, right, first. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking like, okay, here comes the meat dish or whatever to right. go with these sauces. Instead, a guy came by with an eyedropper and squirted globules of like gelatin into the sauces. Like and, then, and then told them these droplets are infused with meat molecules. Get the so, fuck out of here. So the droplets are meat and the rest of it is sauce. But but just the stuff about meat that'll clog your arteries, not the ones that'll make you happy. Right. Um, they, by the way, can I tell you this? Most of these restaurants, and I'm talking about every single thing that has been on this page. Most of these restaurants, when they slack on like the um, amount of stuff, it is at least made up for in by the presentation. Or the, yeah, right. or the presentation. Yeah. All of this has looked like Bad. abject garbage. Like that looks like vomit. Yeah. That actually, that looks like a fake vomit well, that you would buy from the Weasley you're 100% store. Right. You know, you know what trypophobia is? Uh, that's where you don't want to go nowhere. It's where stuff like that don't hit for you. Ah, it's oh, that's like agoraphobia. What any kind of like uh, anything that's like I don't know how to define it, but that right there irregular T R Y P O phobia. Well, it's like uh, anything like like holes and shit. Uh, you know, I don't like, think uh, I don't think I T R Y P O phobia. I'm not. Yeah, I don't really have. I don't. So okay, What's a lot like? of the foods. Yeah, does this bother you, Corey? That type of shit. Does this bother you, Corey? Uh, the th- yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, but that's because yeah. it's on a hand, right? Well, that, right. those ones. Oh, I don't like. dude, I don't like. But some people anybody don't like talk the about seeds. like it's seeds. Yeah, yeah like I don't like, like warts one. with their seeds and shit like that. But but dude, but here's the thing. I don't need my food to look amazing because mm-hmm. like you know when we went to Hawaii and we and we played the blue note in Hawaii, bringing yep. it back. We played the blue note in Hawaii. We fell in love with a dish. That is called a, a mocha loco or whatever. Oh hell yeah, Hawaiian and it's, barbecue. And it's great, but uh, it kind of yeah. It well, it's like it's like a it's like Hawaiian barbecue with then an egg and then like gravy yeah. and stuff like it's that. Like mocha, it's like mocha loco or oh, yeah, yeah. something like that. Well, it looks it it looks like straight vomit. 
So like I don't need my food. Well, that's not, just slop. slop. I know slop. That's what Good I'm saying. Slop I don't need my food. I just ate Indian food tonight. Slop. Most of it doesn't look that appetizing. I had slop. But I had it's Thai delicious. today. Delicious. It's not that. I had Thai food earlier and it looks like vomit, but it also didn't cost me a thousand dollars. Like biscuits and gravy kind of look. My point is, is that the fact that it's unappetizing looking is fine as long as it then hit. But that one seems like. They're not so, even doing either of them. So it's just a, just a couple more. They said they also got a dish which was a marshmallow flavored like cuttlefish. What? Yeah, it was a black marshmallow. It kind of looks like Cthulhu, and it was flavored like cut right there. There it is. Keep going, Russ. Go down. That does bit. look like Cthulhu. Yeah, that's cuttlefish flavored marshmallow, and it says and a dish called frozen air, which literally melted before anyone could eat it. <laughs> So there was an episode. He of, says, he says, there's some, no picture either. Someone, someone, <laughs> someone came and demanded we stand and exit the restaurant thing. We thinking we were being kicked out. We gleefully followed. Instead, we were led across the street to a dark doorway and into the bros laboratory. A video of the shirtless kitchen staff doing extreme sports played. On, <laughs> played so played, even their line cooks are the same. Played on a large screen TV while a chef cut us comically tiny slivers of fake cheese. What do you mean fake cheese? I don't know. That's just what it says. Uh, <laughs> I thought you meant like processed cheese was fake, but like inedible cheese. And then they gave them balloons with the restaurant's name on it at the end as they left. And that's the end of it. So, yeah. Like, and I, it, I don't think it said in there how much it cost, but you know it was expensive as fuck. Of and course. Like, dude, imagine that. Like, and it's like how oh, you're paying for the experience. Disappointed. I mean, the I guess. experience well, sucks. Well, I mean, honestly, and I guess this dude's the same way. He's got this travel blog or whatever. If something it like was that worth happened, it for him. well, it would be worth it for us too. I think. Yeah, right. If something like that happened, we'd at least have a podcast or a bit or something well, buddy, about it. But I would still be fucking pissed but off. But we, though. I mean, it would be worth it for us. But like, we also have the money to throw at it. Imagine say, imagine being like, "Hey, there's a Michelin Saving star up for your anniversary." That's, that's right. where it's fucked up. Like yeah. me and you, and thank you to all our fans and stuff like that. We could have this happen to us, and it and it just be like, well, whatever. We just won't do that again. But there are some people that are like, I want to take my wife to a Michelin star restaurant, and they and it's not stupid to say save for two, three years. Mm -hmm. Like I'm setting a little money aside because I want to take her out to this, and then fucking that Cthulhu marshmallow happens to you. Because again, I can't <laughs> I can't stress enough. Like there there were things at the. French laundry that would be like, well, this shouldn't be this expensive for it. But it was all very good. It was all food. Mm -hmm. It like looked like food, tasted like food. There was a lot of courses. And so to me, it was like, yeah, I spent a lot of money on this, but also I got a bunch of delicious food. That right there, I would want to go find that chef from the video and whip his goddamn ass. Right. Because that is fucking, ex that's bullshit. It's borderline extortion. Mm -hmm. It, I don't, dude, there was a, like, I think on the league, Andre took a bunch of people to one of these restaurants and like, there was a gag in the sketch where like the waiter came up and like gave him a plate of nothing. And they're like, you're supposed to breathe it in. It's an air or whatever. They're doing that. Like right. that's, that's literally real. Yeah, it's bullshit. I don't care for it. Me neither. Give so, me a 
Lazy Susan with chicken and potatoes mm -hmm. for $7. Absolutely. That's way harder. So I wanted to share that with you. So now we can move on. Tis the season for clean balls. Fa la 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 la. That's right. Our friends at Manscaped are helping you clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season from stocking stuffers to white elephants manscapes products are at the top of every wish list grab some crop mops for your pops or the body buffer for the holiday lover win this year's white elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this december by going to manscape.com and using code poa for 20 percent plus free shipping and by the way y'all it's not just the lawnmower that trims your hedges up real nice that's sweet my personal favorite and the thing maybe i need the most is uh the crop preserver ball deodorant and ball toner i've been preaching its goodness to everybody who will listen to me y'all know that the second you get out of the shower your balls start smelling like balls again but not with manscapes wonderful ball deodorants i don't ever leave the house without sprinkling a little bit on Trey. Tell them about Manscaped and stuff. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs, y'all. They got the perfect gift in the Platinum Package 4.0 and loads of little presents perfect for stocking stuffers. What better holiday gift after all than the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs? Manscaped offers a handful of liquid formulations, shampoos, body washes, the ball deodorant Cho mentioned, everything you can need to keep it clean. <clears throat> Don't let their chestnuts roast in the wrong boxers. Get them a pair of Manscapes boxers, specially made to keep the area cool and provide holiday comfort all the year round. Now that you've gifted them perfect privates, go beyond the groan with Manscapes full body product line. Dad's got nasty nose hairs, save his life with the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Then there's the Shears 2.0, their full kit for nail care with scissors, clippers, tweezers, and a file for the traveling man. There's the Preserve Cologne that brings a light, breezy, woodsy feel and gives a fresh tree scent even after Christmas is over. Still using a loofah? Introducing the Body Buffer. Loofahs hold bacteria from dead skin. Help them throw out that disgusting old loofah and get the body scrubber that feels smoother but acts tougher. Lastly, top off the stocking with the crown jewel for the family jewels, the Lawnmower 4.0. The electric razor's advanced skin-safe technology is a life changer and known for reducing nicks and cuts on his Santa sack. Manscaped is here to make holiday shopping a blast by giving products they love and making them laugh. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code POA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code POA, Manscaped, for a perfect gift that will be the holiday's biggest hit. My topic, tobacco, backer, right? Love Fan it. Fancy people, what do you think? Fancy people, backers. Pipes. Huh? Pipes. Okay. I want another direction. Well, with also it. the East India Trading Company. Uh, I'm thinking, you think of a rich, powerful dude in a suit smoking. What's he smoking? Oh, cigar. A cigar. Yeah. Cigars are the province of the fancy, or at least people who want to consider themselves they fancy. They right? like it. Right. Okay. Well, all right. Well, since you brought it up. Let's oh, just, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. That's fine. Let's just go ahead and talk about how we feel about cigars. So, like, I, people, a lot of people who hit, cigars super hit for them, and, like, I never really dug. I started smoking when I was 16. Now I'm on the vape like a responsible adult. But I, I started smoking when I was 16. And I've tried cigars multiple times, and they never hit for me back then. Well, then uh, earlier, a couple in, well, on the third Saturday in October, 
my beloved, Alabama, Tennessee. My beloved Tennessee Vols finally defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide. Hey, and everybody. That's right. That's yeah, right. We, did it. we then blew it all later against South Carolina, but what it are you going to do? It don't matter. It was a great game. What are you going to do? It was a fucking awesome game. And uh, part of that rivalry traditionally is the winning side players coaches fans everybody smokes a cigar yeah so we won so i drove to the smoke shop where me and you went earlier and i Mm -hmm. bought a cigar and i said i told her i was like i was like i don't need nothing like crazy fancy because i'm not normally a cigar smoker but i don't want cheap bullshit either give me like a nice like starter cigar for somebody that's wanting to get into cigars and she she picked one out and she was like here this is this is what this is perfect exactly what you're saying i brought it back here I had her, you know, cut it for me and everything before I left the store because I don't have that shit. Yeah, of course. And so she got it ready for me. I came back, lit it, made a social media post, of course, yeah. you know. Threw it directly on in Alabama, the trash. Hit it. And I was like, I was in such a good mood. I was like, I, I genuinely was like, I'm going to savor this shit. Cause fuck Alabama, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and and I think I hit it literally three times. And I was just like, what are people doing, doing. with this shit? I just don't I get it. I think solved like, it. Well, it's like, but here's my main thing with cigars has always been, and I've talked to you about this before, like you're not supposed to inhale them, right? I go so many ways on that. I'm uh, a first functional. Of all, first of all, I'm like, well, then why? why? If you're not inhaling them, what the fuck are we doing here? And also B, because I was a cigarette smoker for years, in my head, I'm like, people be inhaling. Right. They have if you to do, be. They like, have to be inhaling those. Like, because right. I just don't get, I just don't fucking get cigars. I guess I'm not, uh, you know, prestigious enough I to can, understand them. But yeah, I've never really got cigars. I'll tell you, this has been my long going theory on cigars. I think it is quite literally a way for people to burn money to literally burn money i think that that normally the reason that cigars hit for people is oftentimes as you said it's because you're celebrating and so really what you're excited about is the thing that got you the cigar not the cigar itself Mm -hmm. so alabama one we're all smoking cigars oh i like smoking cigars no you like that tennessee beat alabama and now we all have a cigar and all these fucking thousand dollar cigars that you don't even hail is to me literally someone just going, look how good I got it that I can light this bitch but, on fire. But then there's guys like two dudes who I look up to a lot, Bill Burr and Burt Crusher. I know are both big cigar guys. I, I've, heard, I've heard them talk about it, and I heard and they like Burr even had like quit drinking and quit everything, but. His last thing was cigars. He was like, I just like a cigar. Right. You know, and they, but, and like, Bert's a good example. I'm like, I'm like, dude, Bert's inhaling. Hey, that of man. course he, he is. Be inhaling that Put motherfucker. Put in his butt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's, so it's like, there's obviously something to it. But anyway, the way it got, um, you know what? The, the way it got to be like the classy type of backer, right? In the beginning, it was honestly, and it's not wild. It makes all the sense in the world, but it's all, I look into these different things and it's, always the same fucking answer every single time and it's that it's that it's that 
regular people couldn't do it. Do it, yeah. Like that's how cigars. That's how cigar cigars first sort of became that because they were like very labor intensive and tobacco was more rare back then and everything and they were formed from three different types of tobacco and you had to have an artisan roll it up and they were just harder to get they were harder to produce and harder to obtain so they were more exclusive right and then after that it was mostly a uh, like a pr thing or whatever um who do you think is often credited as being the main historical figure who Castro. really who really jumped he's one of them but not the main a few years before him oh, Groucho Marx that's another good one but no Winston Churchill. Oh yeah, he was he was honestly my third guest. Winston Churchill is often credited with uh like sort of making cigars what they are today like the province of powerful and that's a status in, powerful thing. influential yeah. men. It was like it said at the time it was uh like viewed as a, a metaphor of Britain's, you know, like pushing back against the Nazis like, you know, you're coming at your bombing us and everything. And I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I'm still sitting here smoking. Schwarzenegger. You, you can kiss my ass, right? And so, and then, but Castro, Che Guevara, they're also credited with helping it become a, did that jacket just split in the back? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let's Show check us. to see. Yeah. Did it? Was it? Uh, uh, no. no. I don't think so. It definitely I think you like just it split did. it on the inside a little uh, bit. Okay. I think you just shit your pants. Yeah. No, I just so, went to do Yep, there. I just went to see it now. <laughs> Pull that over there. No, no, you're doing it on the inside, oh, I think. Okay. You're just That's fucking fine. the inside up, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, also Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud praised cigars as a, quote, great intensification of my capacity to work and facilitation of my self-control. Also, it's hey, like a dick, dick. am I right? Right, right. Yeah. because he said it was our phallic desire, yeah. like our uh, our oral fixation Look, or whatever. Dude, respect to Freud, I guess, but dude, he said a, a bunch of wild idiot. shit. He's a dude. fucking he said idiot. A bunch of that guy didn't shit. say nothing good. He's a goddamn moron. We should talk about him in a future episode, I think. Sigmund anyway. Freud was just Joe Rogan back in that day. <laughs> <laughs> and and like Joe's Joe's fine. I'm not just specifically shitting on Joe, but I think Sigmund Freud like was just the first person to decide a couple things, and everybody was like, "Well, he's ring bald. Like he's smart. He smokes cigars. Like it's just you know what I think it is, Trey. You know what I think a cigar is? It is a successful person's timer on how long of a break they can take before they have to get back to work. Right. Like it's just a. It's like a. It's like what an hourglass. They go for this amount of time. I get to sit here and bask in the fact that I'm so successful. Yeah. And then after that, it's back to making enough money to purchase another one of these. So another thing that helped was the U.S. ban of Cuban cigars, right. the embargo. And apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently JFK was a big cigar smoker, had some lackeys go out and buy up all the Cuban cigars yeah. in the area because he knew he was about to put an embargo yeah. on it. And I'm like, the well, Bay fuck, dog. Yeah. That ain't cool. No, that ain't cool. You know cool. what I mean? But also, it's like, you know, if you hit, that's what... Why else hit right, if I mean, you can't you, do shit like that? You know that? whatever president yeah. during Prohibition was just like, all right, go get me my fucking uncle nearest real and, quick. And then lastly, movies and pop culture sort of solidified it in Hollywood where any kind of fat cat character or whatever, oh, yeah. in large part because of like the Winston Churchills of the world, they put them with a cigar. And so that was just sort of it. The rest is history. That's and how they became what they are now. Uh Russ, if you go to our our doc, our show doc, this is my favorite 
cigar picture, I think, of all time. And it's a good testament it's, to how hard cigars can sort of hit if you hit real hard with one. Russ, right under the Gwyneth thing. That right there. Oh, Fucked yep. Up. Yeah. This is the best one ever. I, I, I almost. This is Hall of Famer Ed Reed oh of God. the Baltimore Ravens. I hate and this I, guy. Joe, I, I put it him. to you. You hate that, Ed Reed? Well, yeah, I'm a Patriots fan. I put yeah, it to you. You got to respect. I, I respect them. The Titans hate the Ravens hate too, him. but Ed Reed. G. I put it to you, Cho, that it's impossible to G any harder than he is Ging in that picture. He's standing beside oh, yeah. his Hall of Fame bus with his Hall of Fame jacket and a hat he made to match with a cigar in his mouth, just looking fucking awesome. I'm I, saying, I don't think you can hit no harder than that. I agree. And also, I'm saying as a Patriots fan, that's the highest respect that I hate him. You. Right. Are the keeper of the hits in our thread like you have a really great memory and you save all our texts i swear to god when that happened i remember when that happened i think we were still on like the facebook thread or whatever you shared that picture and said the exact words it's hard to G harder than he's <laughs> Ging right here. And I concurred. I was like, that's some fucking G shit right there. Dude, every now and then I'll just like think Also, of that's it. him five years out of the league. Right, yeah. Woo wee. Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Sometimes I'll just think of that picture and just go look it up and stare at it for like inspiration it's or whatever. It's gangster as fuck. Look at this motherfucker. The bust looks sick here's how, so, here's how you know Ed Reed ain't hurting for money. He'd have a great podcast and he clearly yeah. don't have to do one. Yeah. So that's how you know if someone is truly successful if they don't have a podcast. So on the other end of the spectrum, trash, love to smoke. Obviously, feel like it's going down a little bit, but you know, trash instead of high end cigars, it's fucking Bronco lights or whatever shit like that. Yeah, and uh, so that was a concerted effort by Big Tobacco, which is not at all shocking. Uh, Over the at certain points in the past sixty years, they did things like going to the projects and handing out cigarettes to children. <laughs> Menthols? Well, I get presumably. I'm just wondering yeah. how that became yeah. a thing because I'm like, it's obviously a stereotype, but I am cure. I've always wondered, because all stereotypes are rooted in at least some sort of fundamental, you can wrap your head around it type of truth. And I've never understood the stereotype of black people in menthols. It makes no sense to me. So did the government hand out menthols to children? Not the, the government. Project? Not the government. Big tobacco. Oh, big tobacco. It. That's same thing, dude. Right. They're and, all uh, the same fucking person's pocket. They would issue, and this right here, this had to be in concert with the government because it said they issued tobacco coupons with food stamps. So like, yeah. just like you had a food food stamps, you had free free backer coupons for poor people, and they did this shit for years. And they took know, them away from them, and it was successful. Because, like, low-income communities smoke in higher numbers than anybody else. Right. Uh, and, again, you know, I was trash, started when I was 16. And uh, and then, of course, there's a whole other – what do you think is the trashest? And I don't have as much to back this up. This is just me and you the talking because we're, we're from a trash type of place. The trashest tobacco uh oh dip right i mean without question like and we had because i remember like there's also like a uh, gender specific thing to it like dip is the most redneck thing like all right now it's not that these people don't also smoke right it's just that to them it's like i need tobacco at all times so in situations where i can't smoke i put in a dip like every hunter i know if somebody's wearing camo they dip and i also remember like there was this girl 
uh, named Brittany, who I love. Go ahead. Uh, Russ found something just now while looking for dipshit. Russ, will you look up? Will you mm-hmm. look up if Red Man is still going? going yeah, I would like to know that and too. If they've still got the same, like, just look up Red Man chewing tobacco or whatever, and let's see if they're still active the, with the same branding that they've always had. Dipping because. It's wild that they've ducked all that. Oh, it says iconic chewing tobacco brand Red Man is changing it. So yeah, and getting rid of its na- changing its Native name American bubble gum. Native American. Well, it's funny. This is this is an article from 2022. So they held on for a long, a long time. time buddy. And why not? Look at their demographic. Right, they don't give yeah. a fuck. Oh, there's a lot of people out. Papa's pissed off so, about this. This is where I'm going to have to admit that, like, you know, I've evolved a lot over the years in terms of gender norms and stuff because I grew up in the South, a white male, and there's so many things that you do that are sexist that you don't realize because that's how systemic sexism works. It's all, It also goes the same way with racism. Like, there's certain things that have to be pointed out to you that are racist because it was a part of the actual construct of humanity that you lived in that was very legal that you're like oh my god i didn't even think about that like why would i it's just how the world has been but one of the gender norms that i i still it's hard for me to get past is like when i see a girl and it's rare but when i see a girl with a dip in i'm just like she wants three in the ass you know what i'm saying <laughs> like something wild about her and i don't know what it is because like both men and women smoke cigarettes with the same frequency but dip right. for some reason is considered exclusively a male thing what except for back in the day old women my my grandma used to dip brute and snuff brute and snuff and I, I know Snooze. you know this. I never saw. I never saw this. It was before our time. But like snuff used to be snorted. You it. snorted it like yeah. cocaine. And so I, mammals were like fucking. Hit for mammals me. were drawing up lines and fucking. Yeah. You know they'd have a little tiny it, tiny spoon. The backer. Yeah, or they'd put it on their knuckles. Yeah. yeah, but like a little back key in, bump of backer. Back in, yeah, back in the depression days, like my granny used to tell me all the time, like all her like their moms and stuff. Like she's like, yeah, they dip brute and snuff, and then that somehow went away and i assume it was because they were like that's not ladylike like a lady well it's not it's not well, I it's, listen you don't have to be ladylike but like i so it, i mean yeah you're right this is ain't. me this is me being you know you know i'm a huge pussy so this sort of checks out i've always had a thing with uh like spit, spit me too spit and loogies and shit like pouches. that like i it's all it's just always been a thing with me it yeah. don't hit for me so i don't hit for you because so, i spit a lot so Dip, snuff, and stuff hugely popular in Salina. I ne- I've never done it ever. Oh really? I've, d- I've done snooze, the kind that you don't spit. Yeah, the kind that you don't have I like to spit. That. Yeah, right. I've done that, but like because I love the tobacco. spit, the dip cans, the spit cans and shit. My cousin once accidentally took a drink from a fucking somebody's spit can because they were spitting in a Mountain Dew can or whatever, and he took a drink of it on accident, and it's like that abhors me to this day. That is how I think about that and. It fucks me up. You know our, you know <laughs> that, that ought not happen. You know our so buddy. So I never uh, fucked with it. You know our buddy Big Ed Kaler. Yeah, that's how he quit smoking cigarettes because he drank that was, on accident. Yeah, his he drank a dip a dip uh, cup. It was in a Mountain Dew thing, and he drank it and threw up. And he used to have a bit on stage. Funny about, how, how easy it is to trick rednecks with a Mountain Dew can. Because yeah, right. it was Mountain Dew in both of those stories. It's like you can put anything in a Mountain Dew can and they'll drink it. First time I drank my own piss. <laughs> Oh, Mountain Dew. First time I drink my own piss. There's another good example of what we were talking about last episode where it's like, what? 
I want to hear the well, second first time. time. I know that's what I'm saying. It's like there's a lot to unpack there. Not only you drink your own piss, but you've done it multiple times. Similar situation. I don't think that's true for most people. The first time it was Mountain Dew and the second time it was Gatorade. So uh, back in the day, and I have a real big problem with you, Mountain Dew. You remember the big, you know, big slams, they still kind of have them. But you remember they used to have the wide lip cap. Mm-hmm. They don't have that no more. It's a narrow cap, and they did it to, like, conserve the planet or whatever the fuck. But back in the day, Mountain Dew Big Slam. <laughs> you talk about literally the least they could do. Yeah, you know right. I mean? It's like cap smaller. Fine. You like trees, whatever. Fuck. We made the cap smaller. Yeah. So a Big Slam Mountain Dew was my dad's drink of choice. Still is. And he's and he's the one that even told me that the cap situation happened. And the reason I know that is because I'd stopped drinking sodas. You know what I mean? But Big Slam Mountain Dews were great if you were on a road trip because, number one, Mountain Dew hits, has caffeine in it. And then afterwards, the wide lip is you can pee into it. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So I'm on a trip. Gatorade bottles the same Gatorade way. bottles. That's why okay. I still buy Gatorade. I'm you know, fine with the two liter. You know, I can, but the two liter, <laughs> but the two liter has a narrow, I mean, if you're no, dope, he okay, knows. I, I hear you. He okay, knows. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Well, dude, it's not, look, my dick's not, my, my dick is thick. It's not long, but it is thick. But like still, you want to be able to get it all the way in there so that you don't have any splashback. So driving, uh, we were with our family and my dad had this thing where like, he just would like if if he didn't have to pee, nobody's paying, mm-hmm. right? And my own family trips, my dad would be like, "You got a Mountain Dew, just go for it," you know. So I peed in this Mountain Dew, set it in the little fucking you know backpack sleeve of the Toyota Previa or whatever, and then like three or four hours later, I had totally forgotten about it, and we were driving, and I was thirsty. And I was like, oh, I got a Mountain Dew. And I opened it and <laughs> drank it, and it was my own piss. Right? How old were you? Um, it's hard to say. We were going to Destin's, and I think my I was probably like nine. Oh, wow. oh I thought I was on like the flight that. out here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, no, yeah. the Gatorade one was like, I was, it was like four years ago. You know what I mean? Like I had peed in a in a Gatorade, and I was just like, "Oh, lemon Gatorade, right on!" Drink, and it's like I realized as I was like, "Oh no!" But I was like already there. Uh, so yeah, but anyways, Big Ed he uh, grabbed a thing of Mountain Dew and it had dip spit in it, and he drank it, threw up, and then he's never touched any tobacco products ever. And he he had a joke on stage. He was like, if you want to quit smoking cigarettes, all you got to do is twist you up a Diet Dr. Marlboro, and that'll do the job. So, yeah. All right. Sorry well, for that tangent. No, I'm glad it hits, but I am fully ready to talk about paradoxes. That's what oh, we're talking okay. about. Right? right on. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do that. Do That's all I got on backers, so we'll be back right after this with uh, I'm a fuck yo shit up with Stoner Cho. A couple paradoxes, which is a pair of paradox. pair of paradoxes like a bag of bag of chips it is right after this this show is sponsored by better help y'all it's the holidays i think we can all agree holidays can be very stressful it's times like the holidays where you might wish that life came with a user manual i think that all the time what do i get my wife for christmas but also how do i handle family and stresses and i got some family stresses going on right now Every, everything's fine and all that it's natural life stuff but you know i just wish i could pull out a book flip to the page on uh you know selling your childhood home or whatever and read the manual and say uh okay that's what i'm supposed to do but that's not how it works. I think we all know that's not how life works. Life does not come with a user user manual. So when things are not working out, it's very normal to feel stuck. 
you know, because navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. I've done all of those things. And yeah, you feel all the time like, am I doing this right? There's no way I'm doing this right. But I don't know what, I don't know how to do this right. I don't know how to do it any better. We all feel that way. We all feel stuck sometimes. And therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of those challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. You don't have to do it by yourself. Therapy is the closest thing there is to a guided tour of the complex engine that is you, the human being. Cho, you all about the benefits of therapy. Absolutely. Better help. I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say this changed my life for the better and I'm so thankful that I started it when I did start it Uh, a lot of people probably think oh it's too late you can't teach an old dog new tricks that is not true at all Uh, when I started therapy after a few weeks I remember thinking like oh my god can you imagine what would have happened if you just started this earlier and it the timing couldn't have worked out better I started therapy I got my my mental health back on track and then boom found out that I was about to become a dad. And I have a feeling that uh, had I not been to therapy before that, I would have been freaking out a lot more than I naturally am right now. And I too have some family stuff going on right now that uh, I'm able to take it one at a time, compartmentalize it because of the tools my therapist helped me develop and also because of the medication that they helped me on. Uh, guys, you don't have to do this alone. Take it from me. Uh, if you're if you're feeling stuck, just talk to somebody. And if they're not right for you, you can get a new one. Luckily, I got I, we knocked it out the first time. But uh, I'm telling you, just you, you owe it to yourself, right? And as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched three million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, like I said, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com POA. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash P-O-A. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at savewithconrad.com. All right, y'all, we're back, and it's time for Fuck Y'all Shit Up with Stoner Cho. I'm not going to lie. I'm real excited about this because I like this type of shit, too. And you Same. haven't even told me yet wh- which paradoxes we're talking about, so I don't yeah. – let's, let's I'm go. I'm excited. Let's go. Are you ready? I'm very ready. I'm getting all these uh, from facts.net. How, how many do we have here? Well, it just depends. Facts.net? Facts.net. <laughs> you that know that's what's up. Well, we're just going to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How much time do we have left, Producer Russ? 20 minutes, right? Uh, like 20 minutes? We're at 56 minus five for the ad and another four for you to take a piss. So let's say, what, 
how do the math. Well, 40, we'll, 15 to well, 20. We'll just see. 15 would be an I hour. I have it bookmarked. Hey, we've already heard from the airheads. They don't mind if we go long. Yeah, yeah, I have it bookmarked that we may have to do it in two separate episodes, but it's fine. So we're just going to go. So uh, first off, Trey, the last time we talked about paradoxes was Zeno of Aaliyah, I mm-hmm. believe, correct? Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little worried because I was breaking from tradition of doing history and I was doing something different. And I was like, oh man, people ain't going to be with this. They're going to be like, how is this fancy? And I was very prepared to make the argument that any type of thinking is fancy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the whole point of this show is me and you redneck trash doing stuff that redneck trash normally wouldn't do such as thinking Thinking, right so any so i'm busy working god God damn it it. yeah so time i get time my feet hit the floor my ass hits bed goddamn working so in my opinion anything that deviates from that even slightly is putting on air so i was able to justify it but then i checked the comments on the Zeno of Aaliyah, and it was just nothing but like Holy fuck, I could listen to y'all talk about paradoxes all day. Holy shit, this is my favorite episode. So I decided we would dive back into it. I, for one, love paradoxes. I love anything that make you go, nah. Alt. Alt. <laughs> nah? Yeah? Mm. I don't know. Nah? Shit. Man. Right. So we talked about Zeno, and he's on this list, but obviously we're uh, we're going to go past the tortoise and the heroin that we've done. I would like to, and what's unfortunate is a lot of these don't uh, say who it came from, I guess because it's like they're from 600 BC, so there's like, it was just a thing that some people thought, whatever. Uh, this one I'd like to talk about is the liar paradox have you ever heard of the liars paradox maybe once you get into it but no not based on that different okay so the liar paradox or liars paradox statement it's one of the simplest uh but one of the most famous paradoxes the statement is the the statement this statement is a lie or this statement is false is a paradox because if that statement is indeed a lie then it would be saying the truth if the statement is the truth, however, then it would counter the premise that the statement is a lie. The statement contradicts itself and indicates that the statement is both true and false. This one's yeah. great. This is such yeah. a simple. These are my favorite. Straight, this is these, like a one-liner of paradox. These are my favorite things in the great. world because, like, it's just a thought, but it's a thought that go. It, when you start looking at shit like this, you're like, is anything real? It's kind of what we were talking about, Zeno. Yeah, right, it's like, right. can I, it's I, you, like, like, you actually can't run to that wall, but I've ran to that wall, but right, you can't, exactly, though. Right, but it's, if you break it down logically, it doesn't make sense that you should be able to, and this is the same type of thing. Yeah, it was just like back when people was just starting thinking. This is some wild you shit. You think about some shit like that, and people are like, God damn. Yeah, we need to do a fucking sketch of Joe Rogan with the, um, the, the leaf hat thing, doing yeah, like a laurel. A laurel, laurel wreath. Yeah, that's laurel. Called? That's my favorite joke in uh, 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 Blazing Saddles, by the way, when he goes, I'd like to present you with a laurel and hearty handshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, laurel and hearty. We get it. Yeah. All right. So, but we, we should. We should do like a joke. What if Joe Rogan existed back in the time? What would they be talking about? And it would be this type of shit right here. And here's some examples of this paradox that have been around for centuries. This is the uh, Epimendias paradox which came around in the 600 bc uh so ep epidem ep, 
A- yeah. Appendemius is a semi-mythical Cretan seer and philosopher, famously said... Cretan? Yeah, Cretan. That's funny. When your Wikipedia starts with Cretan. Yeah, right. Like, what was you doing? Yeah, right. It's wild because I guess he was doing some thinking, but apparently not as much thinking as he was doing dirtbag shit. Right. If the headline is Cretan. So he said, all Cretans are liars. This would mean that as a Cretan himself... Epidamendes is a liar as well if this sentence were true. If if Epidamendes is lying when he said that statement, however, then it would follow that Cretans would be truthful, but that would mean that a Cretan would be lying, right? Hang on, no. That last part, if you say all Cretans are liars... Mm And you say, if that's false, then that means he's telling the truth, which means it. But like, no, because some Cretans could still be liars, right? And he could be the one that's lying. Actually, you're right. You know what I'm saying? No, you're right. <laughs> Who's this Epimenides? Yeah. Fuck him. Because like, of course, all Cretans aren't liars. Although, what is right. the definition that's of That's racist against Cretans. Oh, I th- okay. I'm sorry. I was thinking C-R-E-T-I-N, which is like. A shithead, right? We well, look that up real quick, Russ. C R E T I N. I was just going a, with you. A cretin, I guess. A cretin or cretin. I've always pronounced it. E T I N. Well, see, I was just going with you. I was like, I guess that's what cretins are. A stupid person. Okay, a stupid person. I thought, well, now everything I said earlier don't but make no sense because I thought you were saying yeah, that's like that's, there, that's what he's known as, but apparently he's just from Crete. So that, did you know that was a place? I did not. Yeah, I know that's a place, but I uh, I didn't think about it that way. I thought about it this way. So, okay. But well, either way, so it's like all okay. So all people from Crete are liars. He's from there. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, it's basically a that twist means on he's the, a liar, right. which means the thing he said can't be true. Right. But if that's not true, I don't feel like it means shit. I actually agree because again, with you. it says all Cretans. So like, right? That's actually a bad example. Let's go to this one and see if this makes more sense. Because this is my this <laughs> this is my favorite version of it. This is the uh, this is the Pinocchio paradox. All right, I think this will hit for you. It really hit for me. So in this version, the dilemma arises when Pinocchio says, "My nose grows now." Pinocchio's nose only grows when he's lying, you see. Mm-hmm. However, so if the sentence is true, then Pinocchio's nose will not grow. However, this would mean that Pinocchio is lying, which causes his nose to grow. So he Pinocchio says, my nose grows my now. No, my nose grows now. Right. But no, it's that can't be true because if that was true and his nose grew, he would have to be lying. Like right. But he wasn't lying. You're right. Right. But if he was lying about his nose growing, then his nose would grow, which would make it true. But that can't be true because his nose only grows when he lies. Don't that hit? That's wild. That's wild as shit. I mean, granted, Pinocchio is... I can't unravel that one. That's what I'm saying. Now, granted, Pinocchio is a, you know, fictional creature, but like... That is fucking, you know, this, this, this is gets like into, one hand clapping, you know, tree falling in the woods like that, you know, along those lines. Just yeah. Then simple. another one that we're going to get get into. Uh, can God make a rock so big that even right. he himself cannot lift it? This is the unexpected hanging paradox, which I really fucking love. And it this is sort of like um, the Zeno of Aaliyah's. You, you can't go because you can only get half there where it fucks with everything where you're like, yeah, this is. 
this is true, but it can't be because of all of human existence that I've experienced. So this paradox follows a condemned prisoner that a judge sentenced to death by hanging. The judge tells the prisoner that the executioner will hang him at noon on a weekday in the following week. He also told the prisoner that the day of his execution will be a surprise. Thus, the prisoner will not know the exact day of his execution. He will only know the day of his hanging when the executioner comes knocking on his cell door. The prisoner, upon hearing his punishment, reflected on it and concluded that he'll be able to escape his execution. Can you guess why he thinks he'll be able to escape his execution based on all the evidence I've given? No. Just can you do the first just part about the weekdays again? Okay. The judge tells the prisoner that the executioner will hang him at noon on a weekday in the following week. He also told the prisoner that the day of the execution will be a surprise. Thus, the prisoner will not know the exact day of his execution. He will only know the day of his hanging when the executioner comes knocking on his cell door. And he thinks to himself when he hears this, well, I'm out of this. Because as soon as he knows it's not unexpected anymore and it's got to be unexpected to be an unexpected hanging. Because the execution will happen on a weekday, he argued that his execution can't be on a Friday because the judge told him that the day will be a surprise to him. Therefore, when Thursday passes and he's still alive, he will know that the execution will be on Friday. This means that the day of the hanging won't come as a surprise to him anymore. After drawing that okay. conclusion, after drawing the conclusion that the day of his execution can occur on a Friday, he reasons further and states that his execution can't be on a Thursday either. That's because when he's still alive, when Wednesday noon passes, then the hanging must be on a Thursday, given that he already ruled out the possibility of it being on a Friday. Right. And so on and, and so, so on. And so on and so on yeah. and so on. Well, when the execution came, the executioner knocked on the prisoner's cell door on a Wednesday, which came as a surprise to the prisoner, who was confident that the execution wouldn't happen at all. Thus, what the judge told him eventually came true. The uh, unexpected hanging paradox has a lot of other versions, such as those involving a surprise test or pop quiz. Many philosophers also attempted to resolve this paradox, but there is no unanimous agreement on its nature and resolution. Some say that it remains a significant problem in philosophy to this day. Right, but it's like you said when you opened up with this one. You're like, it's like the Zeno paradox because it's like, okay, I hear you, but other than Friday... You know, it could just it be could Monday. Be well, yeah, it could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. Thursday. Like even on even on Thursday, you get all the way to Wednesday and it hasn't happened yet, and you're like, well, it's one of the next two days, but you still don't know which one. And the, if it's the, Thursday, like yes, once you get to Thursday and you haven't been hanged, once you get to Thursday and you ain't dead yet, you're not now dying tomorrow. You know, yeah. now you know. Well, it's tomorrow and it's no longer right. unexpected. But like the rest of that. You know, when you go into a week, you don't know what day something's going to happen, but it's going to happen one of those days that week. Well, it's still going to happen. I bet Whether you... it's Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. But again, I know that's not the point of this. It's the same type of thing as the Zeno No, I'm paradox. glad you're pulling threads in this because well, I agree but, with you. Like, and it's, also, But I... it's not meant to be like unsolvable. They know that it's like obvious in reality. It's just, again, another version of what we were saying where it's like people, people thinking about and pointing out for the first time that's like, you know, if you really think about shit logically, nothing. Some things, nah. it, you can make things not make sense, or like you know, some shit seems like it can't be, but yet things is, is right. How can what can't How? be is right? 
things is that can't be. Yeah, and it right. weren't, but now right. it is. But it's like, but things can be. You're just making it sound like they can't be. <laughs> right. And I would also like to point out the first thing that I thought of was like, yo, dog, if you're so smart that you think that you're paradoxically going to get out of your hanging, why didn't you use that same brain to not get yourself in a situation <laughs> yeah. to be hung? Right. Like, where was that? Where was all that? Like, I think about that all the time about dudes that like break out of prison and how hard that must be. And I'm like. How did you even get caught? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're so good at getting out of prison, how the fuck did anybody even catch you? But do you know what this also reminds me of? I bet you don't. I, I, bet, <laughs> I bet I don't, too. <laughs> because it's about the Bible. Oh, well, I definitely don't then, no. Okay, so this has been kind of a paradox. This is like a paradox that I've thought about in the sense of the Bible. So, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Lord says that when he comes back to take everybody in the rapture or whatever, no one will know the day, and I will come like a thief in the night. You won't see it coming. And then there's all these, like, there's all these people who, like, these pastors who believe yeah. in the Bible who keep predicting right. the, the, the rapture, and I'm thinking, like, what if he was going to come that day, and then you said it, and so like, well, now I'm not going to because you're not supposed to well, know. I can't do it now. Fucking right? Larry ruined it. Yeah, ex- that's what I'm saying though. But like, what if that I is like? I was like, what the fuck, Larry? If you ca- had this whole thing planned, like it was gonna be perfect, right? And then you had to start your bullshit, and now I got to fucking start all over. So, thanks like, a lot, Larry. If if in the sense. In the world that the resurrection and the rapture are actually true things, let's just live in that world for a second, no one can predict it because the second someone does predict it, it can't be that day because God said, no man shall know the day that I so come. So you're saying the way we should avoid the rapture is by we all, just make, we all just make it a point right. to predict every, every day. day. Somebody, everybody, All around the world, everybody just takes a day and predicts it, and then guess what, God? Checkmate, right. you dumbass. You're saving the world right now. The yeah. first time that I remember this being a thought that came into my head was when I was in fifth grade. And the reason that it came into my head was because fifth grade or sixth grade was when Y2K happened. Mm-hmm. And do you remember a lot of people saying that Y2K was going to be the rapture? Of course, yeah. Well, this literally, like, this is how easy it is to outsmart a grown Christian I was in fifth grade, and when everybody was saying, like, you know, Y2K, that's probably when Jesus is going to come back, I brought that up to them and said, well, Jesus said that no man shall know, and I will come like a thief in the night. So the fact that we're predicting it means that there's no way that that's true. And they were just like, why don't you go date a black, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> that they, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that that's what, this, uh, that's what this reminds me of. Now, this one right here, Trey— I know that you're going to know. Everybody knows, but I would like to discuss it because I have a lot of thoughts on it. This is this is the one that I think is the most bullshit of all of them. Uh, can you guess what paradox I'm about to talk about? No. When you said it, I know you know it or whatever, my mind went to the grandfather parad- the time no. travel paradox. No, it's an even more it's an even more famous paradox in my opinion. Okay, I don't know. Schrodinger's cat. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Schrodinger's cat. Everybody knows. In this popular paradox, you imagine a cat trapped 
inside of a box. Within that same box, there's also an apparatus that will shatter a poison-filled flask if it detects radioactivity, such as when a single atom decays. When the flask shatters, the poison will kill the cat inside the box. So after a while, the flask may or may not have shattered and the cat may or may not be dead until an observer comes along and opens the box. The cat is a, is it supposition? Is that the word? Quantum. Superposition. Superposition. A quantum superposition. That's what I wanted to say, but I was like. It's both alive and dead at the same time. Right. Which to me. No, it ain't. It's not. It's either dead or it ain't. Also, how long has that box been closed? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's dead that's anyway. A, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't give a fuck about it, the poison vial. At some point, it, a cat's just going to die. That's right. <laughs> now, if it's one day after this, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you if it's one day after this. But if it's been three or four days, they didn't put no goddamn water in there. They didn't put no goddamn cat food in there. I don't even know if this box has fucking air. So in my opinion, that motherfucking cat is dead. Right? Yeah, smart money's on dead. Well uh, then, like, why is this even that? Why is this even that popular of a paradox? It's like the cat's know. fucking dead. Also, I, think, I guarantee you the cat fucked with the little vial. It probably pawed the vial down and like fucking exploded it, and now the cat's dead. Well, see here, I was about to say, I'm sure there's another element to it that we're too dumb for. And Russ has looked it up, and it says purportedly it can falsify any interpretation of quantum mechanics other than the Everett Many Worlds interpretation by means of a variation of the Schrodinger's cat thought experience from the cat's point of view. So, so this is actually I just pulled this up because it reminds me of the last time that we did uh, Stone Stocho, and uh, I brought up when you I'm said something this, by about the way. Schrodinger's Stocho. cat. Yeah, Stocho, I love it. But uh, this is called quantum suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's along this Schrodinger's cat line, but that's what you were reading, Trey. Is it? Yeah, but it, it's basically along the same line. Quantum like, suicide. Yeah, look it up, Airheads. Check that's it out. That's my favorite Marvel movie. I'm telling you, it's pretty wild. But yeah, anyways, it's just a good one. But well, yeah, I'm just like I, again, the I cat think dead, right? Well, yeah, especially now. By now, yeah. When this happened in the '60s, it's very dead now. <laughs> uh, also, who is this Schrodinger fuck? I Catman. No, I think he was more of a physics man who also fucked with cats a little bit. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think to be fair to that one, I think there's more going on there than we, any of us three, are uh, currently hip to. Surely not. Well, because it, again, it's like it has to do with quantum mechanics and shit. So it's like a physics paradox. So there's like a whole other element of this that we're m- missing or unaware of or not talking about. Yeah, and that... Uh, just to tease uh, the next episode I do, uh, there's a lot of that in the Fear Me paradox, which I'm not going to get into. Can't wait. I, I'm not going to get into it on this episode because I literally... Perhaps just, my favorite paradox. I, and when you said that, that's when I texted you about it, I was like, well, this can't just be amongst the list of yeah, the paradoxes. I was aliens, like, and aliens is my shit. Right, so. mine too. So I was like, well, I'm just going to read this list. But here, oh, I'll tell you, this is the dumbest one that I've seen, I think this is called, have you ever heard of the interesting number paradox? I don't think so. Okay. They even say here on facts.net, mm-hmm. this paradox is among the silliest and most whimsical of all the paradoxes. It's a real Wes Anderson-y of a paradox. Uh, in this paradox, suppose that you have to classify all natural numbers as either interesting or not interesting. 
The paradox postulates that every natural number is interesting in some way, even if you don't find it interesting. Once you find a number that doesn't seem interesting, then it becomes interesting by virtue of it becoming the first number that is not interesting. This then creates a contradiction, a paradox. It's a rather silly paradox at that because of the sheer subjectivity of the concept of interestingness. Right. What does that even... Well, you got, to me, you got 69. Right. You got 420. Yeah, 13. Right? You got maybe seven. 13, seven. I call seven interesting, six, six, maybe. 666. Six. Six, six, six. That's a good one. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, 8,000, no, 80,085. Boobs. Boobs. Yeah. Double zero, I think, is interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. What yeah. was that one? 8675309. Yeah, that's an interesting number. Yeah. Uh, 281-330-8004. Is that the... Did you just give out your number? Are you no, serious right now? <laughs> what? Is that two the suicide eight one, hotline? Two eight, no, that's not this show. 281-330-8004. Are you being serious right now, Trey? 281-330-8004. Are you serious? If anyone was going to know that number off the top of their head, I thought it would be you. That's Mike Jones's cell phone number. Two way one three three zero eight zero zero four. Hit Mike Jones up on the low, cause Mike Jones is down to fl- yeah. Who? Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker gave out his cell phone number, and then of course had to get it changed. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, to me that's an interesting number. But but anyway, but I'm saying okay. So we've named what six? Yeah. Rest of them, I could take or leave. I agree with you. Which makes, apparently, according to this paradox, that makes any of the other numbers interesting just because if you've ever thought of them, that would be interesting in the fact that they're not interesting. The interesting number paradox famously came up in a conversation between mathematicians G.H. Hardy and Sirvanasa Ramujanan about interesting numbers. In the conversation, Hardy reportedly stated that the number 1729 of the taxi cab that he'd ridden was rather dull. Imagine starting a conversation going mm-hmm. like, so I was in a taxi cab and the taxi cab was number 1729. That number did <laughs> I don't like that number. So, you think that number hits? It don't, so, right? So that's a stupid fucking number. So Ramajanan heard that and said that the number was interesting because it's the smallest number that the sum of two cubes in two different ways. What? Yeah, right. This fucking. Yeah. I can paint the New York skyline for memory. So the number 1729 later on became famous as the taxi cab number or the Hardy Ramanujan number. Nathaniel Johnston, a quantum computing researcher, sought to resolve this paradox by defining an interesting number objectively. He defined a number as interesting if it appears on the online encyclopedia of integer sequences or, of course, the OEIS, which contains <laughs> which contains thousands of integer sequences. Using this definition, Johnston found in 2009 that the first uninteresting number or the first number that didn't appear on the OEIS was 11,630, which I agree with him. Yeah. I could take or leave. Okay. All right. Fucking what? I know. I told you it was stupid. Yeah. 
the crocodile. The, what? Was I, it not worth telling? No, nah, I just said number people. Fucking I know, dude. Do? That's what I'm saying. Like can't a whole do, bunch of people going like, that number's interesting. This can't do nothing with it. And them. the thing is, is that me and you named all those interesting numbers, like mm-hmm. right off the top of our head. But at no point in our life have we ever thought like, what's an interesting number? Right. And, and thus I was picking out my jersey in football. And I was like, what number do I want to be? And it was just like, well, here's the guy in football that was like my mentor when he was a senior. And so I'll take his number. But like, I don't think the number nine is otherwise interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just a number. Like a letter is not interesting to me. Oh, that interests me. Z. I don't know. Z, X, Z, X, Q. Kind of. They got some stuff going on. Yeah, that's true. X gets up to a lot because it like, you don't know how it sounds. Yeah. I don't know how Where X sounds. Where are you sounds. at on J? Mm. Mm. For it? Okay. Yeah, I'm for it. Yeah, J hits. You ever heard of the crocodile paradox? I don't think so. I like this one. This is among the famous paradoxes that are in line with the liar paradox. So it's similar to the one we talked about. Suppose that a crocodile grabs a young child from a... And this is one that someone really had to be sitting there going like... Like, I understand the Zeno of uh, of Aaliyah one where he's like, he's seen people running, so he starts thinking about this stuff. But this one is just like some fucking stoner, like just trying to throw a wrench and shit for no reason. So... Suppose that a crocodile grabs a young child from a riverbank. Are you supposing that? Mm-hmm. Okay. The child's parent then asks the crocodile, who can talk, by the way, okay. to return the child safely. But the crocodile replies that he will return the child only if the parent can correctly guess if he will safely return the child or not. Now... If the parent correctly guesses that the crocodile will return the child safely, then there will be no problem. If the parent is wrong, then the crocodile will keep right. the child. Okay. The paradox then arises if that the parent guesses that the crocodile will not return the child, right? right? So if this happens and the crocodile returns the child, then this will contradict the parent's answer and the crocodile will be breaking his promise. Furthermore, if the crocodile does not return the child, then the parent will have correctly guessed the answer Which means... and the crocodile should return the right. child right. safely. Yeah. I guess that's where this, I know that there's this riddle that I remember hearing and I might get it, I might get it a little wrong, but it's like you come up to a castle, you're on a quest, you're a knight or something. You come up to a castle and it's guarded by a two headed dragon. One of the heads always tells the truth. The other head always lies. You don't know which one is which. Mm-hmm. They have one quest. There's two doors. There's two doors in the castle. One certain doom, the other, the object of your desires. And you have one question you can ask this guardian two-headed dragon what do you ask him and i believe the answer is you at you pick one and you say what would he to or you know i want the object of my desires what would he tell me to do which door would he tell me to go through and then it's and let's think about it now i'm losing myself i'm, I'm forgetting so if that if that dragon says go through the right door you gotta go through the left is that what it is because i don't like, know well because if that kind of dra- feel high right that now. dragon here's the deal isn't it yes, amazing how it this can make one. you feel it's high the, it's the even other when you're one, not I high because if that if he says well he'd tell you to go through the right door you go through the left because if that dragon's telling the truth 
that means this other motherfucker's lying. Right. Which means you go through the left one. And if he's lying, that means he's telling you the opposite of what the truth-telling dragon would right. tell you to do. It's kind of like how if you're sitting down and you think somebody's poisoned you, you should just drink your drink because they'll expect you to switch them. You know what I mean? Right. But then if you expect them to expect to switch them, then it would be right. yours, and so you just finna die. Right? Yeah. If you're ever in a situation where you think somebody might be poisoning you, don't drink. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just be like, excuse me, I appreciate you pouring this wine, but I have a feeling that it might be poison. So I'm going to excuse myself from the situation and go drink some non-poisoned wine. It's a hit and sane from uh, Princess Bride. It is, right. Wallace That's what I was Shawn, thinking of. Wallace Shawn, Shawn, rest yeah, in rest peace. in peace, who is not dead. No, he's very much alive. But we killed him on an episode of uh, Well Read. Yeah, that's what I was well thinking. Podcast, I was like, but yeah. you would have me believe mm-hmm. that it was this one. So I'm going to... <sighs> Inconceivable. Movie hits. Movie does hit. What uh, else you got? Well, I have one more. Yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. And I thought this would be a good one to end on. It is the Raven Paradox. Fitting. The Raven Paradox. Ravens are very special to us. It is. The Raven Paradox is also known as Hempel's Paradox, which is named after a German logician, a logic person. Yeah. A logician who created the concept in the 1940s. The concept of the paradox is rather (laughs) straightforward compared to the other statements depicted so far. Hempel postulates. I love that fucking word, by the way. Yeah. I think that we should, because, like, I be postulating. I about to say, bro, we stay postulating. Right, but we never say that we are. No. Like, next time you say, like, hey, Cho, where you want to eat, I'll be like, let me postulate for a while. Uh-huh. Right? So he postulates a true statement. But isn't the postulating the part where you give a possible explanation for a thing? Oh, yeah, that's right. Isn't it? It's positing. Positing and postulating are the same thing, right? It's basically saying, like, I'm hypothesizing. I'm thinking that this might help. Well, this whole fucking show is postulating. Pontificating is just running your mouth at length. Pontificating, in my opinion, and I think I've said this on this show, is when you think about something for more than 11 minutes. You got to talk. You got to talk. When you talk about something for more than 11 minutes. Yes, I agree with that. Right. So Hempel postulates a true statement. All ravens are black. Then this is su- that's racist. I agree. So then this is supported by a logical uh, con- contrapositive. Contrapositive. Contrapositive concept, which means a negative and contradictory statement. Now we can say that everything that is not black is a raven. The idea. What? Everything that's not black. No. You is s- not a raven. Okay. Yep, my right. bad. Now we can say ah. that everything that is not black is not a raven. The idea may seem ludicrous and unnecessary, especially considering the statement already provided that all ravens are indeed black. So whenever we see a black raven, it supports that everything that isn't black is a raven. This then translates to other concepts such as an orange. If an apple is not black, then it isn't a raven. So, Apple's not a raven, that's, that's true. That's true. So how is this a paradox? (laughs) Hempel essentially proves that seeing an orange is already evidence in itself, particularly when it comes to the true statement depicting that ravens are black. Unfortunately, the implications are endless. What else can you pull from this paradox? Black people are birds. That's it. All right. Hold on. What? I don't know. That's it. Wait. So is everything black a raven? 
I think so. That don't, but that that don't. I don't. I, I agree that it doesn't make sense. I ain't with that one. I'm not with that one either. I'm not with that because I mean, like, what? I agree. All ravens are black, like Ed Reed. That's a is good a raven. Yeah, he right. a raven. He's, Damn, yeah, that's right. a good pull, Russ. That's a good Russ. pull, Russ. Good Damn, job. and a callback. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what the fuck does that have to do with I everything have, else? Plenty of other no things. Idea. Just because all of one thing is black doesn't mean that other things can't be black. Right. Like, I'm listening to that, and I go, yes, all ravens are black, and that sentence is over. Right. Yeah. So I don't fucking get it either, but these ancient Greek motherfuckers was just like, all ravens are black. Have you ever thought about apples and how they're not ravens? And somebody was like, yeah, apples aren't ravens. And I bet it's because they're, they're not, not black, black. right? Yeah. And it's like, no, nah, there's my, a whole lot my, of other reasons. My Jeep's not a raven. Right. And it's black. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care right. for that one. That's why I wanted to end with it because it'd be a downer. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here. We there. We we're gonna do clearing airs. Yeah. Clearing airs right after this. That's sure. what we're gonna yeah. do. Clearing airs. We clearing will see airs. you uh, on clearing the airs. We appreciate y'all. Like, Remember to subscribe, like, download, and rate and review. Rate and review and tell your mom and them. Tell your mom and them. Also tell your mom and them. Tell her mom and them if you're fortunate enough to still have them and we sure would appreciate you and we love you and bye i almost sang the well-read theme song yeah i don't think that's the first time that's happened i know yeah. one two three four one two three four royalty and rednecks are alike they both like cutting and picking fights biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh and let leave, and when they're wrong, they'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs. All right. Let's do it. Let's clear the airs, everybody. It's, uh, we missed it last week because our schedule was all effed up. Uh, but now we're back at it. Things should normalize for at least a little bit until, uh, you know, the world gets hectic again. But through it all, we'll keep, figuring, we'll keep figuring stuff out. But, yeah, we just recorded a, another batch last weekend. And, uh, man, I already miss you, buddy. I miss you. I miss you so yeah. much. I had so well, much fun. Long. I'm I'm only now yeah no that's true it won't be long I'm only now getting over the void that I crawled into by drinking every day and uh, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. hanging out with you because me and you we uh, we don't go soft mm -hmm. we go hard right that's true yeah we're men uh, but I so I felt terrible for a week but it was so worth it and the reception we're getting on the episodes people uh people were, were loving the the uh remote episodes but they sure are glad we're back in studio and okay. we're glad to be back in well, that's studio good to, that's good to hear i said it wouldn't be long you wouldn't have to miss me for long because next weekend we're going to be at zany's in nashville doing stand-up comedy shows together we do that every year the week before christmas but it is now upon us so for any airheads in the nashville area some of the shows are sold out, but they're not all sold out. So uh, you should go. You can go to TreyCrowder.com or you can go on Zany's website. Either way, you'll find it, and you should get some tickets and come and see us because those shows are always insanely fun. Yeah, right. So the best. And and if you were there last year, uh, we will be doing new stuff. So 
You ain't got to worry about that. I'm going to be talking about becoming a daddy and uh, working on my new shit. And it's going to be a blast and I can't wait. And, uh, but hey, we're not here to talk about that exclusively. We're here to clear the airs. And since Uh, we missed, go ahead. I want to say something about that to the airheads. Uh, I'm sorry to put you through this, I suppose, since you always want to read the emails. (laughs) No, it's okay. But, uh, uh, Y'all have done it before, and I'm just officially stating for the record, any of y'all that, you know, are the types to send in emails and stuff, if you have uh, suggestions or whatever, things you, like topics you think would uh, work for me or you'd like to hear me cover, then feel free to go ahead and throw them out there. And uh, I need to give I've you told, access told y'all to before, the email I so you can to, peruse uh, it. Yeah, no, that's all right. You peruse it. You send it to me. It's hard for me. Yeah, um, but I might miss but, it. Is what I'm yeah. saying. I might. <laughs> no, that'd be okay. Dude, we anyway. get a ton, bro. We get that's so good. many. Like I feel bad that I can't read them all, but we'd be here all fucking day. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyway, that's all. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's do it. Dispatch word from Airhead Nation. <laughs> okay, this is uh, subject London. Bridge, this is uh I'm I'm scared about reading uh people's names anymore. Names. So we'll just say we'll just say Mark. I won't say the last name. We'll just say this from a buddy, Mark. Skew, y'all. Love the show, but I couldn't believe the two of you got through an entire discussion on London Bridge, even talking about how plain and ordinary it is, without talking about what happened to the previous, more ornate version of it. Namely, that it was sold to a man from Missouri and moved to one of the trashiest places on Earth, the Panama City of the Southwest, Lake Havusa, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. like Havasu, I think. Like Havasu. I'm not sure if that's right. But anyway, I I actually did know that. And I mean, he's right. That's fair enough that uh, that didn't. I I just didn't think about it during the episode. Uh, But yeah, I remember reading that because when I was working on the chapter of our book about about London, I was going to trash talk the London Bridge a little bit. And so I looked looked some stuff up on it and found that out. So yeah, I would have mentioned it because that is wild. Yeah, it's funny reading this now. I I know that you knew that because me and you have talked about it and you were the one that told me that. And I was like, man, mm-hmm. that's fucking wild. So I've got to take at least a little bit of the blame. It's not like I brought that shit up either. And I knew it. So Well, it's like look I said, at us. all the time, like, I mean, okay, matter of fact, I think this person will already know this is the case by now. I'm trying to keep straight in my mind what episode came out and what's about to come out like so cheese came out last week and there was no there was no clearing the airs on it right correct Uh, and this week is out of time right well so i know that some people pointed out last time they was like i can't believe you went through a whole discussion on cheese (laughs) and you didn't even bring up government cheese but what y'all don't know although now you know because now you've heard the next episode (laughs) is right after that in between when we went to change clothes to film the next episode, I said, ah, fuck, I forgot to talk about something about cheese. So I'm just going to do it up top. And at the top of this episode, I talked about government cheese. So my point is a lot of times, you know, future me is astonished at the things that past me forgot or whatever. We just get going. Yeah. You get going. It's easy. It's easy to overlook or miss something. And then you might not even realize you did. And then down the road, I'll, I'll be listening back to an old episode and I'll present me will be screaming. Like, are you not going to, are you not really not going to say anything about that? And then, and then past me sure as hell don't. 
Well, dude, I texted you I, after our first remote episode, I think I texted you and I said, holy shit, dude, I can't believe that I didn't bring up the fact that when they dug up King Tut, he had a boner. And you go, that mm -hmm. is the very last thing I would expect for you to not mention. And it's 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 wild 100%. to me, too, but that's just we just get in the zone and we just get in like the hit zone. You know what I mean? And it's like a jazz band. We're just up there. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you're not trying to hit notes. You're just trying to follow this motherfucker and, and job. But yeah, man, it, it's, it is wild how much and how often that happens. But with most things, like you said, we ended up talking about government cheese. With us, we're never wrong. You just have to uh -oh. wait a little bit for us to be right. Do you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Certainly yeah. never wrong. No, 100% not. Uh, this subject line Elks and being in clubs, parentheses, don't use my name. <laughs> Hi, Corey and Trey. POA massively hits for me. I've been a listener from the first podcast, and it has become one of the highlights of my week. I come from Minnesota rednecks, which are like Tennessee rednecks, but with snowmobiles and ice fishing. I now mm -hmm. live in San Francisco, where I'm a proud member of the Benevolent Protective Order of Elks. It would be my honor to buy y'all a drink or five at our epic lounge built in 1924 overlooking Union Square. Y'all said the Elks Lodges were formed as a venue for minstrel slash blackface shows. Our lodge was formed <laughs> Our lodge was formed in 1873 by theater people who wanted a place to drink after the theaters closed. It is possible, though regrettable, uh, theater people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, what yeah. what kind of what kind of theater were they operating in exactly in 1873? Because I got a pretty good idea. <laughs> well, it is it is possible, though regrettable, that some of their productions may have included yeah. blackface. They you did. Think? They yeah, they absolutely <laughs> did. That was the yeah. headline. That was that was the draw. Was the blackface show? The blackface shows is what paid the bills, what kept the candles lit. 100%. You know, you think it was the dude with the hoop? Get the fuck no. out of here. Uh, anyways, anyways, San Francisco Lodge Number Three is the oldest continually operating lodge in Elkdom. Let us know if you were in town. You have at least two huge fans at Elk Lodges here. We okay. We normally do. I'll I'll just be straight. When we're when we're on the road, we get invited to stuff all the time. And it's not that we don't want to go. It's just that we genuinely don't have time. And if we went out with everybody that asked, we we couldn't. And I always feel bad. So me and Trey normally end up going to our hotel and just eating Cheetos and getting high and halfway jacking each other off. However, <sighs> I would like to do this. I would like to go to the Elks Lodge. I think we should make it a point if we're in San Francisco uh, to take them up right. on this offer. You know, I mean, that'd be fun. I've never, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever been in one. So, all right, yeah, I, last, go ahead, go. Last but not least, this is go. This is coming from uh, no subject line, which I love. Just get straight to it. This is coming from our friend Jason Waters. What's going on, POA? My name is Jason. YouTube username Sun Supreme, and I'm gonna start off by saying that I'm a longtime fan, first time writer, and I watch you guys every week without fail. I literally don't watch TV at all anymore, being that YouTube is my main source of entertainment these days, and you guys are a must-watch, so thank you for doing funny-ass shit. Well, we, we certainly appreciate that. Mm -hmm. My main reason for writing today is to hopefully address the... 
is to hopefully address the case of cultural appropriation regarding Trey's shirt on the Cheese and Ben Franklin episode. I've been waiting. (laughs) I've been waiting. Before we did the episode, you go, is this appropriation? I go, just wear it and we'll find out. (laughs) Someone Mm -hmm. mailed this email. Um, Now, I maybe don't have the right to speak on whether or not Trey's shirt is considered cultural appropriation, being that I'm not Asian. But speaking from solely the viewpoint of a minority, yes, I'm one of the three black people that watched the show. Hey! That watched the show, as stated in one of the very early episodes, LOL. I would say that it's fine, and just wearing an Asian-inspired shirt would not be considered cultural appropriation. (laughs) Plus, Corey, I'm a sneakerhead too, and I personally don't feel like you or any other white person being in that culture is appropriation of any sort. This motherfucker's hitting for me. Now, granted... I have met some racist sneakerheads, but that's a whole nother level of ignorant dumbassery that I'm not about to begin to tackle here. Now, my only issue that I have with your reasoning behind why you're saying that it would be considered cool to rock cultural garments is because I saw Prager U using this mm-hmm. same... Ex- Who is that? Do you know? An online asshole. And this ain't okay. for me what he's about to say. Okay. I saw, pra- <laughs> I sounds, saw like Prager- I made, sounds like I made the same argument that Prager you made, which that, that it, ain't w- it. It might have been me too. <clears throat> I saw Prager you using this exact same argument in one of their asinine videos. In their video, it showed one of their reporters dressed in full head to toe Chinese garments with the con- comical Asian hat to boot asking non-Asians if they felt like what he was wearing was offensive. Of course, they roasted the fuck out of the dude. The next segment showed him trapezing. I can't believe I got that word right. I've I've never seen trapezing spelt. I'm just now realizing. Uh, Showed him trapezing around Chinatown and asking the Asian people there how they felt, and they all seemed okay with it and were smiling and giving him thumbs up. Now, obviously, the magic of editing can do a lot for getting your point across or making you out to be the hero on film, but ultimately, the narrative does not hit. That narrative being, this minuscule group of people acting as representatives of their culture as a whole says it's okay, so it must be okay because we're going to treat their culture as a monolith. Now, believe me when I say that I get the humor of the bit, but it may be misconstrued by others, not as easily amused. And I'm not saying that Dennis Prager can't be right about something because Lord knows he's wrong about pretty much everything else. I'd say that he was also wrong in this instance as well, and I'd hate to see you guys agreeing with that asshat on something as sensitive as appropriation. Anywho, Mm -hmm. my two cents. I love you guys. I love POA. I love Well Read. Love Weekly Skews. I love the whole LRCU. Bring back Bubba Shot the Podcast. I'm not even a country music fan, but you guys made it an interesting and funny discussion on the genre. P.S. Team Squirrel Love, don't hit for life, baby. (laughs) Team Squirrel Love, don't hit for life, baby. So he's on your team. Yeah. Um, I I will like to say that me and you, I think, made the argument after that, which was like, I mean, if you're putting guacamole in a sombrero and running around with a, like, we we kind of, I feel like mm-hmm. we kind of said, like, look, if you're just wearing the clothes, it's one thing, but don't don't go out being a racist asshole about it. And it seems like that's clearly what they were doing. So I feel I feel good about yeah. it. Yeah, me too. I agree. Also, this isn't exactly related, but he reminded me talking about that video and what it was. He reminded me of this other video I saw that was, uh, <clears throat> it was like, like some BuzzFeed type shit was like Asians try Panda Express. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and like, uh, all the young 
like Asian American Zoomers, you know, like kids who were born here and grew up in yeah. America and stuff. They all universally across the board, they tried Panda Express and they were like, this is disgusting. No self-respecting yeah. China. So it was Chinese people specifically, not just Asians. Right. Panda Express is Chinese. It was like, no self-respecting Chinese person would ever eat this. This isn't even Chinese food, you know, whatever. And then the old people like from China, like, uh -huh. you know, like live in China, Chinese people, uh -huh. they all universally were like, whoo, God damn, that's good. You know, <laughs> like, like, can I get some more of that? Holy Sugar shit. chicken. Sugar chicken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, God damn. Based the hell well, out of funny. my, you know, shit that I got over here. And it's like, uh, <clears throat> again, that's only tangentially related to what we were well, talking about. Cause it's not really cultural appropriation, but it's just like the idea of those, those young Chinese American kids being so confident that yeah. it's like an affront to their, you know, culinary culture or whatever. And then, you know, old Chinese people from China just being like, no, this is the shit. This is, I want more of this. This is what's up. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, <clears throat> it's funny. People say that too. They're like, like, what would an Italian person think of Fazoli's? And I'm like, well, we have that equivalent here in America where it's like American food, really good. Bur like we know what a really, really good burger is, but the same person that likes a really good burger will also go to McDonald's and be fine with it. It's just a different thing. Mm -hmm. And like we, mm -hmm. we love really good mammals fried chicken and biscuits but we'll also go to the jack's drive-thru and get mm -hmm. subpar fried chicken and biscuits and be like it's good enough for right now so like i've never really understood yeah. that i mean am i making I, sense I, here that makes complete sense to me yeah fazoli's rules potential sponsor anyways thank y'all so much uh stay fancy motherfuckers come see us at zany's december 15th through the 17th go to treycrowder.com for tickets also check out trey's patreon patreon.com slash trey crowder and as for my stuff parttimefunnyman.com and we'll see you sooner rather than later all right it's <laughs>